0: Any question you want to ask in the world, now's your chance. Ask it.
1: Ask away. Why do flamingos have their knees on backwards?
0: So that has to do with the way they eat.
1: Well, I guess it would. So, And if you know about what they eat, then you know why they're pink, right?
0: Right. Because of yeah. the shrimp. Shrimps. Yeah, It's plural. Shrimps. Which
1: proves that they cook them before they eat them because right. regular shrimp aren't pink. That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. Their stomach is actually a small barbecuer. <laughs> uh, it's a pizza oven. I think
1: they call it. It's a pizza oven. Yeah. So okay, let's go.
0: Hi, everybody. Todd Conklin, the Pre Accident Podcast. How are you? I, I know you're excited. You don't even act like don't even act like you're not excited. You're excited. This feels exciting. This is excitement, is what this is. Because this, my friends, is a conversation with young Mark Yeston, who's really my same age. But I like to say he's young. It works out pretty well. And this is a great one. It's a it's a really good one. It's kind of a starter podcast. So Mark and I were hanging out because we had some time to hang out. And uh, he said he wanted to ask me any question he wanted to ask me. So I put him on the spot and said, let's do it, baby. And that's uh, that's the podcast you're about to hear. And I think you're going to enjoy this podcast because it's really fun, and it's uh, it's relatively informative, and it talks about the stuff that we think about and do all the time. And I hope you're good as well because, well, you know, that's important. We hang out quite a bit, you and I, so might as well be good. And looking forward to, a, you know, a great, bright, sunshiny future, which is what we do this time of year is we look forward to a great bright, sunshiny future, which is what happens. All is well here. Things are just popping. I mean, just popping. And it's kind of fun in a way. It's interesting to me, and I bet you think the same thing, but it's interesting to me as as we start looking at this philosophical shift in the way we manage reliability and resilience in our organizations, you start to really see a change in how people think about the way they do their work and it becomes really interesting i've decided and i'm curious what you think i'm probably going to talk about this more but learning is really a is a it's a transformational activity it changes you right and and that makes sense you you knew that that's not like rocket science what's interesting is how transformational it is to an organization that the more an organization learns about the way they do work the more they sort of dig and uncover sort of the raw truth about what, what happens when people perform their function, the smarter the organization gets. And what's interesting is the less willing they are then to go back to the old sort of name, shame, retrain model of doing business. And that push towards knowledge, that per- push towards becoming a learning organization, that's a really valuable, valuable thing and that's what you do. I mean that that's exactly what you're doing is you're you're creating transformational change by increasing the amount of knowledge and by learning more your organization then makes better, smarter, faster, more efficient and quite honestly, more profitable responses. It it pays. And that's a big part of what Mark, Mark and I talk about. I mean that, that you're going to hear us sort of talk about that, and, and that's a really important part of this podcast. So what I ought to probably do is shut up and play the podcast. That seems like that would be a really smart idea. So let me back out gently and say this is Mark Yeston, probably one of the foremost experts on work planning, pre-work activity, starting safe, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what Mark does all over the world, actually. Um, and he'll sort of offer his wisdom while asking me a bunch of questions where I will pretend to offer my wisdom, but you already know that my wisdom is only one airline magazine ahead of you. So sit back and enjoy. Be a part of this conversation. You're welcome. And uh, as always, thanks for listening to the Pre-Accident Podcast. Tell your friends and uh, keep slugging along, man. It's it's what makes the world go. And sit back and, and uh, enjoy what Mark has to say. Here's Mark Esten and Todd Conklin on the Pre-Accident Podcast. i'm ready
1: so todd yes uh, a lot of people are um coming in hearing you speak about fatalities yes your recent book and stuff like that yes and i i had the privilege of sitting in on a few of these sessions and they and they go over well and what i notice is that i think some people come in with the expectation that okay this is going to be you know the branded program that if i follow these steps we're not going to kill anybody right and i sense that people leave with uh I don't want to say more questions than answers, probably, but different questions. What's, yeah, what's probably. Your, what's your goal there? I mean, it's it's not it's 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 great stuff, and it really gets people going, and I think it lasts with them, and they probably go back out there and do some good stuff with it. But what what's your goal with it? That's I'll the think.
0: goal. I, I mean, if that happens, that's amazing. So the goal I think is really that we shift thinking from the belief that a fatality is a super accident. You know, at the top of Heinrich's pyramid. Right. Right to uh fatality is just a it's a deviation it's a it's an anomaly it's an unusual combination of normal performance variabilities that in this case happened without controls so when it failed it failed as badly as it could as quickly as it could so if you think about it that way then what happens is that really changes the way you think about managing understanding and managing that work so you can't just um do the same crap better and harder or harder or more of it. You need to do different crap differently and the different crap differently. Um, as Decker will tell you that stuff has to happen, not in failure, not, not safety, but in operation. So fatalities are a function of successful work. A better way to say, it, I think is normal work mm-hmm. and normal works normally successful. And so you have to manage that failure, Capacity that ability to fail better. And what you're really managing is, is the ability to have controls. So I, the question is, is that better? Uh, I don't know if it's better. It's different mm-hmm. and different is probably what we need to do. The data for this is hard because it's hard to measure how many people didn't die. Right. Cause if you do nothing, people don't die. Right. Cause people are super adaptive and they, they, they think about and solve problems all the time. So, so On that. Yes, I agree. We, oui. oui. that's French, we, oui. we, oui. but um, oui. measuring capacity, right? Talk about that. Well, me. we do it all the time. I don't yeah. know why people act like that's a mystery, right? So how much, how much gas is in your car right now? Uh, it's a
1: rental. So I'm, I, <laughs> I, I already pre-calculated that I could okay, uh, so, make it all the way So yeah, to the airport are I, feel like I me. filled up.
0: Yeah, no, I, in fact, I want to push it in yeah. to the airport. Did you buy a pre-tank?
1: No, no. I always bring it back full.
0: Oh, okay. So if I if I have to buy the tank prepaid, I mm-hmm. calculate and I try to push it in on fumes yes. the last three feet of so course. it's completely empty. But like – so I can tell you that my car right now, if you went out there – I happen to know this because I just came back from a trip for Thanksgiving. My car has a half tank of gas. Right. So if I'm going to go on an adventure, let's say you and I are going to drive to New Orleans, right? That would be a fun place to go. Sure. I would need to get more gas. Absolutely. Right? So we measure lots of stuff by capacity. I don't know why this is such a mystery on the safety side. So so you'd ask is, so we're, we're going we're gonna to put uh, windows on the fourth story of a building. Um, do we need scaffolding? Well, yeah. Yeah, we need scaffolding. Well, why? Well, because we need the capacity so that if something unusual happens, the guys have stable work platforms upon which to stand. It'd be faster to do it with, with um, aerial lifts, be cheaper probably to do it with aerial lifts, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's fourth story, so. but it's probably better to do it in scaffolding, right? And what we're managing there is really some people, <coughs> excuse me, some people would say risk, but what I think we're really managing there is the capacity to actually do the work better so that that's what I mean, does that not make sense? yeah, no, it makes sense, and I think but people i think they they say, well you know i
1: i can measure I can't measure people not getting killed right I can measure people getting cuts and scrapes and twisted ankles and things like that that's that's really easy right. to measure and well, so you, and you, I think you, what i'm really what I'm really trying to push toward here is that when we have play, like the the the, the um, story you just told about putting up scaffolding things Which like that entirely
0: made up, yeah, hundred percent out of. Bamboo. I was only
1: acting. You made it out of bamboo I'm too. Sorry. I saw that. I was acting, but um, but when that capacity actually functions, in other words, the 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 harm was diminished or limited right. by the fact that they instead of using the scissor lift. Took the time to put in the scaffolding, right. and Do all the fall protection. Do you see instances? Because I do, where that when the, when they actually have a failure, and the capacity kicks in and prevents it from being catastrophic, it's still seen as a failure.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, I mean I, that's probably the next thing we have to fix, right? To me, the biggest problem is is you you can't measure something that doesn't happen, and we're really fixated on measuring crap, right? And so we can't. We can't really measure what doesn't happen. So what's happened with the fatality stuff is you're starting to see – well, like uh, the National Safety Council just did this big – did you read it? This big four-page thing on fatalities. It's it's, – I only know about it because somebody sent it to me because I'm in it a bunch. I haven't seen it yet. But – and it basically says that the hierarchy of controls, which I kind of got in trouble with because I made a comment about that. You know, that the very best thing you could do is engineer out all the ways people could could get hurt or right. could die. Well, so that's probably true, but I, I think it's impossible because how do you know all the ways our, – our systems are so complex, you don't know all the ways they could fail. Right. And how would you ever engineer everything out? Plus, how would you ever afford to do that? So to me, you want to really think about fatalities not as the failure to prevent the accident but the failure to control the energy. Right which is kind of more like the stamp model. It's kind of more of a resilience engineering model. So, so coming from a place where I was the worker or the yes. manager or the
1: supervisor.
0: That would be Ryan Zinke's National yes. Park Service. Uh, I, I was, Did I say that right? That's a new name, right? Uh, I don't know. I've never met the man. Oh, okay. I met all the other secretaries, okay. but
1: not, not that one because I was gone by then. But uh, managing um, – you call it high risk. I like to call it high hazard work. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like high hazard because the hazard is sort of fixed and risk is what we.
0: No, that's good. You know, huh? And it's an alliteration. Alliterations are always there better. You
1: know. So high hazard.
0: Pass work, the peas,
1: please. And, and you know, so thirty-five years of working with people who go out there and do that kind of stuff every day. When you ask them, or when we talk amongst ourselves about quote-unquote safety programs, right? I've seen the good and the bad. And so, a bad safety program. Uh, these people who show up to work every day, day after day, continuously improving and pulling off difficult stuff and doing it really well and safely uh, don 't see safety as a separate part of what they 're doing right and in the worst cases, you have a you know a safety office that 's off there doing all kinds of other things and right. so while these people are doing all of this high level work, really committed, doing a fantastic thing, but the the managers. And the safety people just have no knowledge of how that work is done, and really don't have an interest in right. finding out what's done. Right, and then you end up with people who are like probably the safest, most professional people out there getting in trouble because their fire extinguisher is, you know, gone three days without an inspection, right. and it's been, you know,
0: or the stickers on the truck aren't right, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. they, they yeah. must not care. Gotcha. So but um isn't that let me I'm trying to use this word Fukaccha? Fakakta. Fuco that's facta. Yeah, that was on the David Kasten. That is so Fak little, like little David Kestenbaum. Yeah, I love him. He's fantastic. Everyone should listen to This American Life, uh the one on uh on Free Will free where will. you tried to
1: ambush me last and, time.
0: And yes, and David Kestenbaum talks about that in great detail. And he's a good friend, so talk to him. And it's how do you say it? Fakakta Fakokta. Mm-hmm. I love that. I word. listened
1: a, I listened more carefully than you did, honestly. And clearly. Yeah. And so, and then I've had safety managers and safety programs. And now I'm getting to work with all kinds of safety professionals. These really nice and good people. Mm-hmm. To but a kind person, of, kind of have, leading thinkers too, who have yeah. dedicated themselves to keeping other people safe. And it's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. it's really interesting to hang out with with them. What I don't get sometimes is this. You know, we're sitting here on a beautiful uh, late fall day in New Mexico, and everywhere we've gone today, we're presented with um, a choice, and that choice is. Red or green? Maybe you can, maybe you can explain to people what that means. So there, it's two, the official question of there are there ago. are two
0: kinds of well there's there's one kind of chili, but depending on the maturity of the chili pod, it's either green when it's young and fresh, or red when it's older. Older sounds less. Uh, it's uh, aged. aged. That's more, more of a, ripened. Ripe, ripened yeah. is a good word. And uh, and then it's often dried, yeah. and they make a sauce, a sauce or salsa, and There's a green salsa or sauce and a red salsa or sauce. And the green is usually quite fresh, um, oftentimes kind of bitey with a little tang, a little acid to it, and usually pretty spicy. The red is more of a – what's the word they use all the time? Umami. Yeah. It's more of a whole kind of bitter, very complex flavor. And you have to choose because every dish you order in New Mexico, they will ask you if you want green or red. And you can say green or you can say red or you can say Christmas, which is? The official state answer. Green and red. Right? Which brings
1: me to the question. Yes. So red is good. Red's green the, is good. I think red the best. And you can have both and they don't necessarily compete with each other. Right. And I think sometimes as people are <laughs> trying to work their ways through these different ways of thinking. Oh, I
0: see where you're going with
1: this you feel that uh, you have to choose one or the other?
0: Behavioral based safety versus new view. Or, is that where it, you're going? N- or, not
1: necessarily between those two for sure, but there are many other permutations. So, so the I, problem it,
0: is, is, is you're you're right. There are many permutations that we could talk about. Um, but the problem is, is not whether they're good or bad. It's how right? they how they view the worker. So, and the difference in my mind, and maybe it's just me, uh, maybe nobody else sees this, is that the older programs. The behavioral observation programs, the DuPont stop card program, mm-hmm. yeah. those programs all take as their primary um, – their first principles, their primary assumption is that the worker needs to be fixed. Right. Right? Whereas human performance or as, as Bob Edwards would call it, hop mm-hmm. the hop, right? The new view sees the worker not as the problem to be fixed but in fact as the solution to be harnessed. Now, so where's, that the, where's the Christmas in there? I don't think there is. Red and green. It's absolutely
1: one of the – because it's, to a I think worker
0: – I think it's a bimodal right. choice. I mean I I, I think it it's an enormous philosophical shift in how the program is not only managed but certainly managed but how it's directed, mm-hmm. right? It's the difference between asking who failed and what failed. Right. There is no middle between who and what. Right. Right? I mean is there? I can't think of it.
1: No, it's pretty that's minor. fakakta. That's,
0: that's, that is all fakakta. I don't know right if that there. meets the definition. <laughs>
1: I like just saying that word. But so when I talk to a, a worker and I'm – so having lived my whole career knowing that we get the most bang for the buck out of understanding um, how people are functioning in their systems and what they're learning out there, even right, in successful right, work right. and actually examining successful work so that we can get better. But when I, when I hear people that are very red or green or black or white – we're just going to call it red or green – about uh, the system is always at always to blame for some sort of deficiency versus the individual worker. Every single worker can tell you a case of like, oh that guy Joe who used to oh, work yeah, here. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad we
0: got rid of him. And I think that's where people sometimes get confused. But that's the problem with blame. I say I don't think I'm talking about blame. Right. I think I'm talking about conceptually how the program views the worker. Right? Yes. Is it is it directed towards the worker or is it directed towards the process and system? Yeah. It, the blame. Is, there's plenty of blame, but the rule is, is every second you spend blaming somebody is a second. Of your, it's like being in the airport. It's a second of your life. You don't get back. Right. right. They say go to the airport you, two you hours can,
1: early. You can get them back 0.25% um,
0: at Cinnabon. <laughs> I'm for that. Yeah, that I, works. I'm pro Cinnabon. But I mean, and, and I understand that there needs to be some, and a lot of people really want there to be a happy medium. What they want to say is I want to shop some from column A and some from column B. And I want to take the best of both programs and create this third entity, which is the ideal state. So I think that's fine. I mean, it's and I, I'm just one guy, right? Uh, love me or hate me. The problem is, is that the only reason I think that won't work is because the difference between column A and column B is how they view the workforce. Right. And the problem with, um, with behavioral-based safety is not behavioral-based safety. The problem with the behavioral based safety is that it, it's it, you have to have behaviors to observe and the behaviors you're going to observe are the behaviors of the people right and if you look at the people you will always find that guy who didn't follow the rules right that guy who's a wild cat who's a cowboy who who broke the rule on purpose well if you if you if you build your argument based upon the extreme case then what you're arguing is the extreme case here's what I'll tell you. There's a bell-shaped curve, and there's a whole focaccia number of people (laughs) in the middle of that bell-shaped curve. Mm -hmm. They count, too. And they're not marginalized. They're just normal Janes and Joes going to work. Getting Getting her done. Getting her done. Right. Right.
1: And so we're obsessively sometimes, to the expense of understanding how the whole system works, spending times on the very edge of the The beginning edge of the bell curve.
0: Right. Well, because it's the the extreme cases are so – I mean it's how people argue, right? Right. And and you see it in safety. You see it in politics. Well, to me what's so sad, and it's really sad, is that this argument has become so personal. It's not – at least to me, it's not personal. It's just – it's a very, very different fundamental shift in thinking. Right. It's not bad or good, right or wrong. It's not you're great, I suck, or you suck, I'm great. Right. But a lot of people – because they have a lot of vested interests in keeping these programs going, take this stuff really personally. And they get really, really, really angry. And they think it's like an attack on them as a human being. You know, I'm not, they're fine. I mean, it's, so let it's, me get all cable newsy on you. Okay. Todd, yeah. why do you
1: hate Target Zero? <laughs>
0: because target- Would you
1: want to work someplace that has a target of three? So, I wouldn't.
0: So it's a moral separation. There's no question about it. And a lot of people are really, really, really wound up on this one. The bottom line is and I would just ask this question, is if you mean zero, can we really have zero? And And then can you tell people how to do that? No, well you can't tell I don't know how to tell you to not fail. Right. Right. The the issue here is that I think the moral argument that no one should get hurt is really a valuable argument. It's just not very practical in an applied way. The practical argument is not a very good moral argument, which is that some people will get hurt. I mean, I just went through this thing where I went to this really fancy pants group of people, board of directors, and I showed a slide that said death. And then I pushed a button and the word injury covered the word death. And I asked the group of people, would you trade a fatality for a broken arm? Right. Um, Yeah. And everyone said, "Um, of course. Right. Well, that's that's kind of where we are. Bee stings and dog bites are bad things and we should manage them, but because somebody gets stung by a bee doesn't mean your program sucks. You're not going to get to zero, right? but you can still have a really good program,
1: right? So can we just dispense for this moment with the idea that, and agree that everybody who actually comes to work and doesn't want to get hurt or who employ people who come to work probably has a target zero? They don't want people to get hurt. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when we start to try to manage toward that zero and try to pick things to count that we can sometimes be on that end of the bell curve. You were talking about where we're not seeing
0: the things that are actually going to kill us. It strikes me that that's a slippery slope. But, I mean, I don't know. I've worked at a lot of places, and uh, I've worked at places that had zero in the literature and places that didn't have zero at the literature. And the funny thing is I I didn't think one was safer than the other. Yeah. So the question I would ask, and it's just a question, I mean – and I'm wide open to your criticism, don't hesitate, uh, is does target zero make you safer? If I took target zero away, if I pushed a button and erased it from all the posters, all the signs, all the stickers, all the banners, all the policies and procedure, would you be more dangerous? So having lived this,
1: I would tell you that places that interpret target zero in a way that they measure and accrue matrix or um, metrics on things that don't matter – Do absolutely create an environment where people don't want to disclose what's going on. I can't tell you how many times I've had employees that I supervise that I said, hey, you know, you need to put in some workman's comp paperwork just in case over the weekend this thing that happened to you doesn't get better. Probably nothing, but it might be. And they say, listen, I don't want to get involved in that whole mess. I don't want to be the one responsible for setting the clock back to zero after we've had, you know, eight and a half hours with no injuries or 800 days or whatever it is. Right, right, right. I'm just going to cover that. If I have to, I'll cover it on on my. my private insurance rather than get into the system. And that's
0: what scares me. And Mark, that is fakakta. That is fakakta. Is it right? You can't. Okay. I, it. I got it right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting to me just because we've built a system. Uh, to me, the biggest problem is, is that we, we attach incentive funds. Yeah. So, managers get paid more if they have zero. Right. And well, less if they don't. So, and nobody
1: wants to be responsible for their boss losing the bonus.
0: Right. So, every boss is one bonus, one one sprained ankle away from a bonus check. Yeah. Right. Well, so that's goofy. I yeah. mean, this is good. I mean, I don't know if other I people think, and, and, think of it that way, but it's just we've drifted over time and we've made it legitimate, but it's not legitimate. Just because you say something a bunch of times doesn't, doesn't make, make it, it
1: real. True. So, I've
0: been in situations where,
1: uh, as I said, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I've certainly seen it where uh, the workers and the the people in the the safety professional end of things feel very much like they're on the same page and they're not. I've actually – and this is a rare event, but I've seen safety professionals say, look, can you guys not do that um, ice rescue training that you do every um, December because every time you do that – Somebody sprains an ankle or something, or falls because the ice is very slippery. Ice. Can you not do that training until January when it's a new year? And so, if you have any darts, they won't ah! count against this year. <laughs> and then what you end up having is people who are about to get called into service to go do ice rescue who haven't had a chance to practice it in a year because <laughs> now is December is the time to practice it. When you have to go out and do it for real, it's crazy so stuff like that. I can't
0: do the rescue yet. It's that rescue that training is next month.
1: That was my question. What's more dangerous, going out there and doing the rescue when the call comes? Comes in when you haven't been refreshed on it for a year because. So I guess, time,
0: you know. and I guess that's where you'd want to ask for that third way, right? Is is there a way to do that training that's safer? And and asking the people to do the training can help you. And then ultimately, the question would be at some point, somewhere in some dark room, is having an ankle sprain worth having highly trained people to do high high risk rescues when it really matters? Yeah. Well, I, right? didn't, I didn't. cancel the training. So no, you know. good for you. And but and that's but I mean that's and that's a reasonable. As crazy as it sounds, it's a reasonable question because they're managing to the number. Mm-hmm.
1: And the when, when is, we come back
0: and we say we're so much more successful
1: than we were two years ago, and when the workers and the managers who are collecting some of these numbers and we say, "Really, are we that much better?" and then we find out, well, actually, we got to count it a little bit differently. Yeah. So we're this is great and everybody's happy, yeah. but that's so um, transparent to the workers. Right. And when they do that, it uh, workers don't take. The very serious profession of safety professionals, seriously.
0: I hear you. And I'm not
1: saying it's no, It's, no, it's I,
0: epidemic. I, I think you're onto it. Okay, I have a question for you. No. Yes, no, I do. I okay, really do. go ahead. What's your New Year's resolution?
1: My New Year's resolution? Yeah, that's,
0: that's, that's, it's time. I mean, what's your theme for next year going to be? What's your New Year's resolution?
1: My New Year's resolution? I haven't even really given it any thought.
0: That is, it strikes me that you're going into this blind.
1: I know. Yeah, I'm going into it totally blind. I'm pretty happy with the way things are. I think I'm mostly perfect. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I'll, uh.
0: I didn't ask what you were thankful for.
1: Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm thankful for me, Tom.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: no, no, I'm, I'm, have much to be thankful for. The New Year's resolution? I don't have to think seriously about it. Okay. I I I'll give you time. time. We'll come, come back together. Got some, I got some big ones.
0: Okay, any more final questions? No, um, but just so you know, everybody,
1: Todd forced me to do this, and I have a belly full of both red and green chili.
0: Christmas. Christmas. Christmas belly. Focotta oh, Christmas. Oh, oh, Ho, ho, ho. Happy oh. holidays. Cheers. And that, my friends, is the podcast for today. Just a little chat conversation between Mark Yeston and Yo. And we're just chatting up some stuff. You could tell. We talked about all the big hits, that's for sure. We got them all, including the ever-present Zero and all the complexities that Zero brings to a conversation and an organization. We got them all. They're all there. It's uh, it's what we talk about. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Listen, because there's a bunch of really great stuff coming up, so just be ready for that. I think you're going to enjoy that immensely. Um, it's been fun. It's been really, really fun. I'll see you uh, later in the week, I'm sure. Um, until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. I don't know if you did today or not. It's kind of up in the air. You'll have to tell me. Have as much fun as you possibly can. We did that for sure. We got that out of the way. And for goodness sakes, y'all, be safe.